This Sunday begins a sermon series preaching through the Gospel of John. That's what God has put on my heart for the past several months. I've been trying to collect some commentaries from other pastors that might have ones that I don't and read through mine to get ideas of um, what other scholars have seen in the gospel. How can we dig out as much meat and potatoes out of God's word as we can instead of just saying, oh, I went to church and it was, it was nice and yeah, I read the Bible a little bit. I'm really feeling like the things we read from the gospel of John are meant for you. Like I'm preaching this as part of the you, I'm with you, but this is not just for me, this is for us. And so what we're going to do each week is read like a chunk, I might read a chapter, I might read a half, I'll read one chunk. Uh, they call that a pericope back in seminary, I just had that name come back to me from way back in the day, so if you're looking for a nice 50 cent word that doesn't really matter, uh, pericope is a chunk of scripture, one contiguous chunk of scripture. Uh, we're going to read one of those this morning to start off the Gospel of John, and we start with John the Baptist. And the basic thought that I want us to be looking for, paying attention to... Oh, sweetie. Hey, Pippi. Piper. There might, pipes, there might be some coloring papers and crayons in the welcome table if you want to grab some to hand to them or whatever. Whatever's easiest. Oh, buddy. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, we are going to look at John the Baptist. How many of you feel as bold as John the Baptist? Where you walk out into the, the middle of the streets and you're like, you snakes, you hypocrites, you're all going to hell. You're going to burn. Like, is that the right way to do it? Is that like his way? And we'll leave that in the first century, you know, context where they had town criers and things like that. Uh, so then do we never say to anyone, you need to think about where you're going after you die? Mm, so maybe not the way he did it. Do all of you want to wear camel skins? Feels like that would be easier, right? No fashion decisions to be made. You just get up, you walk into your closet. Camel skin, camel skin, camel skin. All right. This one will work. I'll wash that one for tomorrow. Your diet, grasshoppers and honey. This probably is the cure to whatever ails you. You should give it a try. Maybe that's what God wants to say to you from the scripture today. <laughs> But John the Baptist is such an almost outrageous figure that he sometimes isn't relatable. We have to stop that right now. You have to stop that. We need to be John the Baptist. We need to be a witness. If we're not a witness, what are we doing for God on this planet? Just absorbing and receiving his grace and blessings and saying thank you and doing nothing with it. Remember the parable of the talents? If a lot's been given to you, do a lot. Not because you're anything special, but because you recognize it was given to you in the first place, so it's all grace, but what you've got, you've been given for a reason. I mean, look at where we are in the world, right? Look at our education system that we got the privilege of growing up in. Look at the money that sits in our bank accounts. Look at the possessions that we own. Look at the scriptures that we've had people teach us over the years so we understand things from this book that other people don't. We have so much to be thankful for, and we have to be a witness for it. We have to be a witness. So this Sunday is all about this good old-fashioned saying, can we get a witness? Anybody? Can I get a witness? Can we get a witness to the world? Because if not, 
We're the one that God gives a lot to. And then when he judges us on the last day, he says, you wicked and lazy servant. I don't want that on my report card at the very end. Wicked and lazy. I just want to be faithful. I just want to be a witness. Not to me. Not a witness to new hope. Oh, you're such a good person. Where do you go to church? Doesn't matter. Right? Jesus. You guys are such good people. You go around doing good things in the community. These mission projects like Serve Home. Oh, what good people you are. God is good. You know, someone said to Jesus, good teacher, and he stopped him. Jesus stopped him and said, only God is good. So don't you let someone tell you you're good. If Jesus didn't accept it, don't we accept it. We're here to be a witness to someone who's good. And if he gives us something to be good with, to someone who needs some good, let's do some good. I'll show you my faith by what I do. Great. That's the book of James. But John needs to be us. We need to be John. We need to walk out ahead of the places where Jesus is wanting to go and pave the way a little bit. Be a little bit Elijah, a little bit John the Baptist, and just be a witness. So we're going to read a chunk from uh, John chapter 1. And we're going to stop, and where we stop, next week we'll pick up. Because of so many different translations, I won't have us all read it together, but um, I'm tempted. I'll just read it for us this time. Maybe different weeks I'll have different folks stand up and read. But I do want you to follow along. So you can do that with a phone and an app. There are Bibles under a couple of seats of each row, so there should be a Bible pretty close to you. Um, There's something really nice about having your own Bible and just highlight in it or circle it. When God says something to you, you make a note, and then years later you flip back or pass that page and you catch the highlighter and it reminds you of what God was doing in your life at that time. So I encourage you to bring your own Bibles. Bring the ones uh, on your bedside table and then just bring it back and put it there for something to read before you go to sleep or when you first wake up. But we are going to dig into the Gospel of John. Please identify with this radical figure. John the Baptist. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. We're going to go back over all this. There's a million things that could be said, but let's just let it speak. This is a letter, right? This is a gospel, a story, narrative written. So you need to take it in context. You have to let John talk. You can't just take something out of context. We have all sound bites. Don't do sound bites with the Bible. You'll end up with terrible theology. Don't do sound bites. Do chunks. Do a chapter. Do a book all at once. And then you have permission to step back, like knowing what I know, letting someone finish their thought, now I can address a thought. Do not do sound bites with the Bible. So we'll come back to this. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light so that all might believe through him, him meaning the light, not John. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. 
But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. Now, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. I think the best way to read that is just like, more and more grace, and grace upon grace, layers of grace, piles of grace, mountains of grace, continuous grace. So I'll throw that in there for us to hear before we move on. From Christ's fullness, we have all received grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the only God the one who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Now, this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, who are you then? What are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He said, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, just as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. Now, these things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. So if you picture a map of the Middle East, you, know, you have Israel over here, then you have the Jordan River, and then the wilderness is kind of on this side. And so John the Baptist is doing all of his ministry on this side of the Jordan River. It's wilderness. But people would go out to him like, what is this madman that we've heard of? What is this crazy thing? And, and others would come out to him and say, well, prove yourself. Who are you to be saying these things? Are you some kind of prophet? Are you the Messiah? And his message was the same from A to Z every day. I'm not the one, but I'm here to prepare the way for the one. You might see me baptizing with water for the forgiveness of sins, but that's not going to do any good. That's going to get your hands and your body clean. You need your soul cleaned. And only the Son of God, only the Messiah can forgive sins. That, by the way, as we are a witness to the world, I'll just stop for a second in conversations that you might have over dinner tonight or that I have with my neighbors and we have with friends. That is the singular difference you can always point to with Christ and amongst every other religion. Buddha never promised to forgive you for your sins. Muhammad never promised to forgive you for your sins. None of them said they were God in human form, and none of them died and rose again for you. So if we want to talk about the wisdom of these men, you know, it gets complicated. Like, well, here's something that Gandhi said or that Buddha said, and everything just turns into like this one big soup of every smart person who ever said a word. And like, how am I supposed to know? The singularity of Christ is right here in John 1. He's God. And as God in human form, he brought truth. And he came to forgive. 
He came to die. He came to atone. There's no one else that even makes that claim. Never mind was able to fulfill it and had eyewitnesses for it. So if you're looking to enter into conversations, we don't actually need to go into disproving every other world religion. We can just say the one thing that no other religion has. Okay, you follow this religion, do all those other... Do they promise that you'd be forgiven for your sins? Because we know we all sin. Jesus promised that. Did the, the founder of your religion, be it, um, be it whatever, did he die for you and did he rise again? Singularity of Christ. You don't actually have to know all the apologetics to defeat everyone's argument, to know everything about everything. You just stand on the one thing that no one else has. <coughs> Jesus got a lot of wisdom, but there are other people that had wisdom too because they got it from God. Um, but no one's going to forgive you. No one can. And no one can die and rise for you except for Jesus. So, again, John said, I'm not the guy, but I know the guy. Right? And he's coming after me, but in a strange way, he was before me. Because that whole first paragraph there, the prologue to John, is this wonderful poem, this wonderful poetic statement about the preexistence of Christ. Father, Son, Spirit, together forever, from before the creation of the world, through the world, and after. And that Father, Son, Spirit, that Son, that person of the Trinity, became flesh for us. God is still in heaven, Spirit's still moving, but this incarnation, the setting aside of some of his infinity, of some of his knowledge, of some of his omnipotence, to become flesh for us. This is the mystery and the beauty of Christ. And some people get too uncomfortable talking about this stuff because you can't quite figure it out. So like, well, what does that mean? How do we know that they just push it to the side? But then look what you do to Jesus. You effectively take all the beauty right out of him. And he becomes just some guy who had a couple of good thoughts and maybe did a miracle or two. That's not Jesus. Jesus is pre, the pre-existent Christ. In the Old Testament, sometimes we see the Lord said, and it's on like all caps, right? It's like the word of God speaking, the word of God speaking, and then the word of God speaking, becoming flesh and being, and then rising, ascending, calling us to him. This is Christ. This is not your run-of-the-mill religious founder. This is not just a man. This is fully man and fully God. And that first paragraph there says, he made everything and he's the light, and the light is the life. So for all of us who are dying inside and need life, Jesus is the one who's going to bring that. Usually, though, when we feel like we're dying inside, we go to some sort of like experience or substance to try to boost our feelings because we feel like we're falling. We don't go to life. <laughs> like, how exactly would you get more life? My kids play a Zelda game on the Switch. Like, you can get more life, right? You can, like, get more hearts. Like, how do we do that? Right? Everybody, get a little more life right now. Get a life? Is that a thing? Yeah, I could say that, too. No. Uh, we just need to be more alive. The places we usually go for that end up killing us a little bit more and a little bit quicker. <laughs> Jesus is actually true life. He brought life. He is life. And so this becomes the witness can we get a witness? The witness is there is such a thing as being truly alive. And there is such a thing as having light, even though everything seems so dark and confusing. I dare you to listen to the news these days. I dare you to go on Facebook and come out of it and be like, there is a clear and consistent worldview being represented here, that all of its points are validly made, none of them conflict in any way, 
And um, I feel better about myself for having jumped in that pool. <laughs> that never happens. It never happens. It's man versus man versus man. It's people versus people. It's us versus us. We need truth. We need something beyond man, beyond woman, beyond human. We need divine. We need God. And so Jesus promises truth. He promises clarity, light. Things are confusing. You turn on the flashlight. Like it illuminates. That's what we need. That's what Jesus offers. That's what John the Baptist was saying. I'm here as a witness. I'm not the one. So lesson one, don't claim to be something you're not. Don't claim to have it all together. Claim to know the one who's got everything held together. Pastors need this message maybe even more than anybody. I might be the one up here saying the things from God's word, but I'm not the one saying these things. I'm the one repeating these things. I'm bearing witness to the fact that my life and my experiences have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that this Jesus is alive and well, and he's moving. God's moving, God's moving, God's moving. So we're just witnesses to the light. Every time you see someone in the darkness, bring light. It's not you. So the first thing we need to know is it's not us. We bear witness to the light. The second thing we should notice there, uh, the true light which enlightens everyone, which was coming into the world. This is verse 9. Verse 11, I guess we could pick up. He came to his own, yet his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born of God. This is a simple statement, but actually has tremendous implications. Do you understand what this means? It means every single human who has not believed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is not yet a child of God. We could look at the prodigal son and say maybe that we can consider them lost children, you know, or sin corrupted in such a way. But do you see what that statement is saying? He came to his own to those who were lost, and only those who received him did he give the right to become children of God. So we see like this brotherhood of all mankind. I feel like I, I could be any person on this planet, depending on when I was born and where I was born and what family I was born to. My story could be their story. But that does not mean that every child <laughs> has been adopted to become part of God's family. And that's a sad and scary statement to make, but that's what the scripture says. So as we walk around in the world and see people who are just like us, we don't know if they've believed in Jesus, if they said, I need his forgiveness so that I can become a child of God. Most people sort of feel like, well, everybody's kind of like a good person on the inside, and so as long as I do a little bit more good than I do bad in my life, like, I'll see God and he'll be like, you were, you were good enough. There's a great book, by the way. You know what I'm going to say. Half of you have read it here. I know I've talked about it before. It's by Andy Stanley, and it's, the title is just, How Good Is Good Enough? It's tiny. It's meant to give out to a friend and a neighbor. I actually gave it out to someone this past week and wanted it two weeks ago and didn't have a copy on my shelf to give to someone else. I'm going to try to track that, them down and get a copy to them because that's what we operate on. How good is good enough? And his answer to that is, it's not good people who get to heaven. It's forgiven people. Right? It's not good people. Good people don't get to heaven. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Forgiven people do. So are you forgiven? Then it doesn't matter on what grading scale of good or bad you are. It's not about you. Because we're a witness to the one who can forgive. Right? So we need to operate the way John did. He's a voice in the wilderness saying, Jesus wants to make headway into Brockton. 
Jesus wants to break through into Easton, into Mansfield, into Foxbury. He wants to break into these places that are filled with like a bunch of lost children, orphans. However you want to conceptualize, you know, a million different metaphors we could use, but people who are not his. But he made them. <laughs> he was involved in the process of creation with the Father. So how much love must he have? Like when we make a child, how much love do you have for that child? Well, this is a split. This, this is like a severing from the family. We're all born into the world's family. We need to be adopted and redeemed and believe and be forgiven into the family of God. So that statement is really powerful. And it motivated John the Baptist. And I think when we have kind of like a more general worldview, we're not as motivated. So this is a very practical thing that I'm, I'm saying to you here. Because if we sort of feel like it'll all work out and everybody's kind of like trying their best to get to God, then we really don't have much motivation to do anything about that. Just, you know, swim down the river at your own pace and you'll get to the end sometime and hopefully everybody gets downstream. Like, it's very general. But if you feel like there's a bunch of fish that are out on the shore that are just gasping for breath, they are not in the river. They will not make it down the river. And you're just swimming by them. It's like cruel. It's, it's evil. You would be evil in that moment to see the fish that you could just like kick with your fin into the river and he swims with you and you're both fine like to just swim by. So John operated this way. And it's part of why he was willing to cut ties with the world completely. His garments, he, he didn't want to wear the latest fashions. He wanted to be set apart. He's like, I'm not playing the fashion game. He didn't want to eat all the rich foods and the wines and the delicacies or whatever. He's like, I'm going to eat grasshoppers and locusts. I'm not of this place. But he stood out. <laughs> he stood out. And people came. And guess what? They're being baptized all the time. So here's the point of conviction. When's the last time we baptize someone? You know I love you. I can say these things because I love you and you know I'm talking to myself as well. We get too comfortable just being in the stream ourselves and in a way that's really cruel. We need to be different enough that we're a witness. Is the way we dress a witness to something other than just fashion? Maybe it is. It'd be awesome. Some people wear t-shirts with like Christian messages on it. That could be an option. But even just not needing the fanciest or most expensive or not having like a different outfit for every day of the year kind of thing as some people will get into. Like maybe there's some way that could just bear witness. Can our fashion bear witness? Can the way we raise our children bear witness? Can the way we love our spouses bear witness? Can the kind of employee that we are bear witness to the fact that there's one greater and this place is not it? And if we're getting in love with this world, we're just going to be flapping around on the shore. We've got to get into the stream. We have to get downstream. So John did everything he could. His whole life purpose was about being different so that people would come and listen, so that they would say, you know what? I do feel lost and in the darkness. And the whole time he's like, it's not about me. It's about him. One's coming. I can't even touch the sandals, the straps on his sandals. Like, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Because then we don't have to pretend to be anything all big and famous or special. We're just someone who got saved along the way. How beautiful is that? Take some pressure off yourselves from having to be like the good Christian. Just follow Christ and point people to him. There is a difference. People look at us and think that we're trying to like, look good or pretend we're something more than we are. That's not a witness. That's hypocrisy. Be like John. Be like John. 
All right, so we have Jesus and who he is. We have John's witness to him. We have uh, the concept of light and life. What else can we see in this passage? We have the right to become children of God. And then we get to verse 14. Now the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Where was Jesus? The last two words, what are they? I'm going to say it again. Where was Jesus? Among us. That to me feels like a simple statement, but like so, such an indictment. That is such a like, grab my heart and like constrict it like, oh, God, help me, help us to actually do that. Because I don't think we do We like the set-apart thing that John's got going. I'm going to step away from the world. It's too tempting out there. I'm going to step away from the world. I don't want to be influenced by the things that are out there. I'm going to step away from the world. These friends are not good for me. I'm going to step away from the world. I want to be around Christians. I want to have that encouraging feeling you get when you see a brother or sister in Christ and you give them a hug and be like, I'm going to see that person for eternity. They're my people. We want that and we like that, and so then we find ourselves mostly doing that. Jesus went the exact opposite way. He had 100% unity with God. He was here in the Holy Holies singing every single day. And he put it to the side to step into the world to be among the dirty, to be among the brokenhearted, to be among the injured and the ill and the angry to be among the vulgar and the foul and the disrespectful. He was among us. Literally means like a tent, a tabernacle, a tent. So he like set up tent, set up camp here on earth to be among us. We have to do that. We have to do that. We have to be among the people of the world so that we can be a witness. Don't be like the world, but we have to be among. We have to be walking alongside people. But what happens so often is as soon as we're alongside other people, the conversation, I just had this, this exact conversation with a good, dear Christian brother. He doesn't go to our church, but I've known him for a long time. And he's saying, how come it is that when I get together with other Christians, still all we talk about is Tom Brady and Joe Biden? Like, I want to talk about more than that. Isn't there anything more that we can talk about in this world? We talk about Jesus for a minute. And this dear brother just felt like he's dying on the inside because he feels like he's like the stick in the mud. He tries to like insert a comment about Christ and like it does, no one picks up what he's throwing down. Okay, yeah. Won't game four of the Patriots season be awesome this year? The rookie versus, like we can go there, but stay there for like 10 minutes and then get back to the good stuff. Get back to the good stuff. Can we get a witness? Can we have a witness? John understood that. He, he was different, but he was out among people. And Jesus set up his tent among us when he didn't have to. We got to do that. And it means feeling awkward. It means having awkward conversation starters where you say something like, oh, do you go to church? And the person gives you this strange look like, oh, no, I did that when I was a kid, and then moves on. You're like, well, well do, I, do I ask it again? Can, I, can, we, can we continue that? Do you just let it go? Like, you don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. 
Like, the next time you see him, like, should I ask another Jesus question? I already asked one the last time we hung out. Are they going to think that now all I want to do is talk about Jesus? Like, you got to be that person. Otherwise, it's never going to happen. The darkness is not going to come to the light and be like, show me where there's some truth. Where am I off base? No. Everybody's entrenched in their own worldviews, and we need to, like, shine some light into it. We need to step in among, among, among. Six Meadowhill Court, this place, it's us with us. <laughs> it's not among. What about those condos? What if next Sunday each of us pick a condo and we just walk in? We just sit down in the living room and just start a conversation about faith. Like 70 of us, we get into 70 condos. Our kids could each go to one apiece. How about that? Do you feel like that would be well received? How many arrests would be made that morning? <laughs> but how are we going to be among if everybody just goes home after work and locks the door and turns on Netflix? There's no public place anymore where people just mingle. And how are we going to be among if we just go home after work and lock the door and turn on Netflix? I'm sorry, but it's not going to happen. Unless someone then breaks into your house and sits down on your couch and says, tell me about Jesus. In which case, you probably have them arrested even though you believe in Jesus. The Among Us is such a like, beautiful and powerful and like, saddening. Like, my eyes are welling. Like, sad statement. It's what it takes. And you can't both be rich and posh and comfortable as well as awkward and an outcast and uncomfortable. They're opposites. We just have to be a little bit more crazy. Anybody who's got some crazy streaks in it, come on, fan those flames. Let's get some crazy going. <laughs> if we're a little too normal, we might just be a little bit too vanilla and a little bit too unrelatable and a little bit too, that's nice for you. Nobody thought that about Jesus. They either loved him or they hated him. Nobody's like, oh, he's kind of a nice guy. He just didn't leave that option. C.S. Lewis does a great job of that, right? Lord, liar, lunatic. He, you have to either think a Christian is a lunatic or you can think that they actually serve the Lord. Can we get a witness? Uh, or you think they're lying to your face and it's just like a sham to get your money or get you to join their club. It's just a lie. So pick one. You only got three options. So the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. This book is eyewitness accounts. Never forget that. It's not a fictional story. It's eyewitness accounts. Someone was there. Someone wrote it down. They passed it on. That's what we're reading. So we... This is probably John thinking on behalf of the disciples, on behalf of the Christians of that time, because John is writing it. We have seen his glory. The glory as one who, you could say, only someone who is the son of God could have this kind of glory. So much grace in this man, so much truth. And from his fullness, this like never-ending fire hose of grace and truth, there's just like grace upon grace upon grace, from that fullness, each one of us has received grace upon grace. If you have been forgiven, upon, forgiven for your sins by Christ, that's a grace. You didn't deserve it. It got given to you. That's a grace. If God has helped you overcome an addiction, that's a grace. That's from Jesus. You didn't deserve that. You didn't earn it. You couldn't do it on your own. He did that for you. If God has helped you reconcile with a family member, that's a grace. You didn't earn that. You didn't deserve that. That was given to you. If you found a way to be gentle instead of harsh in how you treat people, 
That's a grace that's been given to you. It's the character of God. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. That's been given to you. So we all are just grace upon grace upon grace. And if we ever happen to say something right, it should be, thank you, God. Yep, the words come out right. And if they ever happen to come out wrong, we say, it's not me. I'm still striving. I'm still pursuing. I'm still following. But I know one who always said every word right and gets every question right. (laughs) Steps into every circumstance with faith. Grace upon grace. And just keeps coming. The grace keeps coming. So the law was given through Moses, meaning the Ten Commandments, the statutes, the description of God's holiness. That's still true. All of that is still true. But we get to operate in grace because we don't have to live checkbox by checkbox. Christ did all the checkboxes and we just live by our faith in him. So the fullness is grace. It's like this full circle thing. The law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side, has made him known. So I want to make sure that we're starting in the right place here together. So I don't know if all of us feel like we've actually seen the light. If we've had an encounter with Jesus that felt like, I get it now, or something's different now. I've got life in me in a way that I didn't before. But if we haven't here, we can't be a witness. Because then you're like the salesman who doesn't actually believe in his product. (laughs) He's lying to someone else about something that he himself doesn't believe. Don't be a hypocrite for Jesus. Don't be like a fake salesman for Jesus. You're not doing him any favors. You're not doing any Christians any favors. Don't. But if you've got something that he's done and someone you can tell it to, then stand up. Say something. Be a witness. But if you haven't, come talk to me. To anyone who believed that Jesus is who he says he is, he gives the right to become children of God. So it's just like a commitment. All right, Jesus, I'm in. So find me today after church. Let's just pray. Say, God, I'm in. That's it. God does the hard part. We just need the belief, the submission. Your will be done, not ours. And then you got something to brag about. Then you got something to share about. Then you got something to testify about. Then when someone says, can I get a witness? Be like, yep. I've got that thing too. I was given it as an amazing gift. Grace upon grace. So please, 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 don't put John the Baptist in one of those like crazy Christian categories and disassociate yourself from his mission. It's yours too. It's mine too. We're supposed to be a witness out there in the world. So look a little crazy, sound a little crazy. Put the words out there that God puts on your lips to say. If you have a thought, you're like, I don't know, should I say this or not? If it's from God, you'll know it. Say it. Be a witness. Because as we go into this kind of missional church uh, mentality where we're not just inviting people to come to the hospital, we're going out as you know, life-saving agents, it's going to be such a shame if we save someone's backyard and they lose their soul. If we provide a great big bag of clothes to foster kids who need that love and then they die and don't know Jesus. We can't be a good works club. And so it all comes back to John chapter 1. It's because we believe. We're testifying. We want to be a witness. What kind of Jesus do we serve? The one who would do anything for anybody, who would give them the shirt off his back because of him. And we're not even worthy to untie the straps on his sandals, but he's, he's something else. Literally, holy. He's something else. So please 
let's just continue to proceed as we've been proceeding, but never forgetting who we are and who we're doing it for and who has done things for us. Let's close in a word of prayer. Jesus, you're holy, you're holy, you're holy. You are our Lord, God Almighty. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. You were, you are, and you always will be. You are the Alpha and the Omega. We're a little blip for a little moment in a little space and time, and you are eternal. Give us the call to come and follow you. Put it on our hearts so we can't escape it. Come after us. Follow us, Jesus. Pursue us. And may we submit. May we accept. And may we join you, be children of God, daughters of God, sons of God. Show us this week who you're calling around us so that we might be able to be part of what you're doing in their lives. And please give us self-discipline and um, courage to be able to forsake ourselves for the sake of others. Please allow us to not let our conveniences and our comfort overcome your call. Send us out this week among the world that you love. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.